You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the river. Now this morning, what I'm going to be ministering on is doing enough to make a difference in your life. And as I approach this message and these truths, understand where I'm coming from. I believe that sometimes it's not that we're not doing something in the faith. But sometimes we're not doing enough to make a significant difference. In other words, we're not doing enough to get the breakthrough that we desire. We're not doing enough to make our marriage better. We're not doing enough to get the overflow of finances that we need in our life. And I'm going to show you in the Word today what it means to be a doer of the Word. And as you grab hold of this, understand that this is the key to release God's blessing in your life. Amen? So if you would look up on the screen, this is in James chapter 1, and we'll start with this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now I want you to circle, if you would, on the text in your Bible, if you have it, the word hearer. Say hearer. We get our English word audit from it. And what it's talking about, if you've ever audited a class, it means that you took the class, but you didn't take it for credit, which means you had no exams, you had no tests. All you did is listen to the information, and uh, so you have no credit for it. So what James is saying, listen, if you think just hearing the word is enough, you deceive yourself. And what he's telling us is, listen, when you hear the word and faith comes, you have to activate that faith in order to get the results that God calls you to have in your life. In fact, let's read on the next verse. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Say it with me. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, what I want you to see from this is James is emphasizing the importance of doing more than just hearing the word. You have to act in faith over what you heard, or it's not going to produce the results that God wants you to have in your life. Now, I want to tell you that even though James is emphasizing what you do, what you hear is no less significant than what you hear. In other words, if I'm not hearing the word, faith isn't coming. And I, when we first started the church, I remember, because we've always believed in great children's church, and we'd always have a lot of volunteers for Children's Church. And so what I would do with that and the ushers and whatever is I would give out, in those days, there were cassettes. Later, it was CDs. And I remember going over to one of our members' house, and he had this big basket, and he had all these messages that I had preached, like over 100 of them in there. And the reason why we did that is because I didn't want people just serving, 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 and not doing it in faith. Just like I don't want you to give, 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 give without doing it in faith. You need to hear the word about giving so that you can believe in faith that God will rebuke the devourer. 
and God will pour out a blessing upon you that is so great, you don't got room in a container. In other words, I don't want you just to give out of habit. I want you to give in faith, and I want you to work on your job in faith, and I want you to love your wife in faith, and I want you to love your children in faith. And that only comes if you're hearing the word. You probably know people like this. All they do is serve, serve, serve. And when was the last time they were in service and heard the word? Is very small. We don't want to do that. We don't want dead works. We want faith works. So James is addressing the Jews were very good about hearing, 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 hearing. They were really bad about doing, doing, doing. But in the American church, we're good at doing, 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 and really bad at hearing, hearing, hearing. So turn to somebody and say, I got ears to hear. Because here's the part that's powerful about this. I can teach you, but I can't learn you. Come on, turn to somebody and say that. I can teach you, but I can't learn you. Now, what I mean by that statement is simply this. I can teach you all the fundamentals in the word, the promises, and all those things, but if you don't apply it, you'll never learn it. I said if you don't apply it, you'll never learn it. Now, this is true not only with Believe in God for healing. Believe in God for prosperity. It's also true when it comes to raising your children. Let me give you a couple of references. In Proverbs or Ephesians 6, 4, it says, For husbands not to provoke their children to wrath, but to train them up in the admission or admonition or any of the Lord. Thank you. Train them up in the admission of the Lord. So the idea is that you are to train and not just teach. I'll never forget the day my son came to me and he said, Dad, how do you pray? I said, just watch. He said, what do you mean? I said, just watch me pray. And so my son would watch me pray. And I said, here's how you pray. Just, just watch me pray. Here's what you do. You, just, you come to God according to the word, according to what is written. You believe you receive the promises that are offered, and then you thank God for it. And then you begin to talk to God around the word. In other words, whenever you've got a problem with God or with your circumstances, bring the word to him and say, Lord, you said this and this and this and this. Because the wisdom is in that word. Amen? So I never sat him down and said, this is how you pray. He prayed by watching me. The same with my wife. She's a super mother. She's Proverbs 31 mother. And she never really sat down with my daughter and said, here's how you raise a child. Here's, now, now, I know they do dolls and all that stuff, but her example, and she said, come over here, help me do the cooking. Come over here, help me do the dishes. Come over here, help me wash the clothes. And as she did that, and then explained her, you need to do this for your brother and so forth, she learned how to be a mother. Now she's a nurse, and she's a great mother, my daughter. And, but she, it wasn't just taught to her. She experienced it. My dad would say, I'd say, well, how do you change the oil in the car? And he says, well, get under the car. Here's the tool. And I would get under there, and he would tell me to go through it, and I would get oil all over me, and I'd make mistakes. But before it was over, I knew how to change the oil in a car or how to change the tire on a car. You know, today, I don't even think some young people know how to change the, car, change the tire on a car. Anyway, 
The point is, training is something that happens when you do the Word. It's one thing to talk about confessing in faith. It's another thing to confess in faith, not just when you're in church, but when you're in a hard spot, when you're, in a, when you're sick, when everything's falling apart, and you remember what I said, and you begin to declare to God that, by his stripes, I am healed. Or you're in a financial spot and you say, Lord, you said that it would come back to me pressed down, running over. And I thank you right now for the increase. That's the difference between teaching and being taught. Now, I need to emphasize something here very important. What you say is actually a form of doing the word of God. When you speak in faith, that is actually doing the word of God. And let me prove it to you. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, that if, that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, with the heart we believe on the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, you weren't saved because you did something. You were saved because you said something in faith. Say it with me. I was saved because I said something in faith. You're going to have to get a little bit more excited to get me excited this morning. Come on, church. Now, let me prove it to you. If you go up like the sixth verse, uh, Paul said this. He says, do not say who will descend into the abyss and bring Christ up. Or who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? He said, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. When you get it in your heart and you put it in your mouth, your confession is made unto salvation. Your confession is made unto healing. Your confession is made unto breakthrough. When you get it in those two places, it's practicing the word of God by confessing in faith what you believe. Now, my question is, are you doing enough of that? Or is the only time you confess the word is when you're in church? Or do you confess the word when you get into a big fight with your wife? Or do you confess the word only in church when everybody's excited and worked up? Or do you confess the word of God when you're having financial troubles and you're not sure where's the food, where the food's going to, or the food, uh, we're too close to lunch. And you don't know where the money's going to come from. Amen? That's the question I want to ask you this morning. Because I feel like we don't go far enough in our families to make them the kind of families God wants to have. We don't go far enough in our careers and our dreams and our visions and things that God has called us to. We go a little ways, but we don't go far enough to get results. Sometimes you've got to go so far that you think, oh, do I have to keep doing this? Yes. It took the greatest miracle I ever received physically in my life was not from the gifts of healing where they just manifest on their own and God does it to you. It's when I stood in faith in Tulsa, Oklahoma for allergies that I had all my life. I would take three shots a week and I couldn't, my mom had to uh, put sh uh, plastic over my, I couldn't play outside my nose would bleed, and I did this for years. But I decided I was going to believe God. And I quoted scripture every day for at least 20 minutes 
for nine months and not felt anything until nine months later, and all of a sudden I realized it was gone. And it was confirmed later by a doctor, so it wasn't just mind over matter. It was a physical healing. But it didn't come because one day, one service, I confess I was healed. It came nine months confessing it. So the question is, your trial, your problem, are you going far enough with it? Because if we're not getting results, we haven't gone far enough. If you're not seeing overflow, you haven't gone far enough. If you haven't seen your marriage get better, it hasn't gone far enough. If, you haven't, if you're not sensing that God is, is touching your body and bringing you to a better place, you haven't gone far enough. In other words, if it's not producing results, you got to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until breakthrough happens. And everyone that loved Jesus said amen. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Now, it is possible to, now watch this, it's possible to have a, to confess the word but not believe it in your heart. It's possible to do it all out of your head and not out of your heart. Remember, it's got to be two places, the heart and the mouth. And I want to show you a verse that talks about a false profession that we've seen with many people over the years. Not many, but some. This church, not as many, but there's people out there like that. I want you to look at the verse. This is Matthew 7, 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Make a note, the word there, Lord, Lord. Say, Lord, Lord. In other words, whenever in Scripture you see a double reference of a name, that was used to indicate endurement. Jesus said to Martha, who had 120 people show up for lunch to her house, she was all freaked out about taking care of everybody, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you got all this stuff ready, but really it wasn't needed. It was a term of endearment. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David in the Old Testament when his son was killed said, Absalom, Absalom. So you see that use. So these people believed they had an intimate relationship with God when in fact they had no relationship with God at all. And notice it goes on. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Say it with me, I never knew you. <laughs> Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. This is heavy. Now, God wanted me to say this today because I want you to understand, this is why I tell you to meditate on the Word so you get it in your heart. You can have a false profession. Now, he said, never, never have I known you. Now, what does that mean exactly? It means that you don't have eternal life. You've never had eternal life. That's what it means. And I'll prove it to you. John 17, verse 1 through 2 says that eternal life is to know the Father and the Son. So whenever you have a relationship with God... And God is interacting on his end, as well as you are. That is eternal life. And so when he says, I've never known you at any time in your life, he's saying, all right, I didn't know you at youth camp when you came forward. 
you did a profession, but it wasn't from the heart. Or I didn't know you when you were in church and you lost your father and you quit going to church because of the loss. I never knew you back then either. In other words, these people went to church and had a false profession of their faith. Didn't go off in their hearts. When I tell you to meditate on the word, you've got to understand what's at stake. Your healing, your provision, your life. You've got you to get the word in your heart. You've got to envision what God has promised in your heart. And if you get it in your heart, then when you declare it out of your mouth, you become a doer of the word and the power of God is activated and it would explode in your life in some way, in some form. Your marriage will get better. Your life will get better. But you haven't won far enough if it's just casual Christianity. Oh, I know that. So what? Intellectual people go to hell just like people who are not intellectual. God does not speak to your body. He does not speak to your mind. He speaks to your heart. Once you get that, you realize, okay, that's why I've got to guard my conscience. Because that's where God is talking to me. Amen? Amen. So, you need to know that to express the blessings. Now write this down, Psalms 107, verse 20. One of my favorite Psalms, it says this. It says, he sent his word and healed them. Now watch this. And delivered them from all their destructions. Now he didn't say some of the destructions. He didn't say the big ones. He said all, say all. How many know a marriage that's being destroyed is a destruction? How many know when your finances are being destroyed, that's a destruction? How many know that when your body's being destroyed, that's a destruction? And it says that he sent his word. He sent his word to heal us and deliver us from all of our destructions. <laughs> Woo! Man! I want you to remember this about God. God is never out of stock. The other day I wanted something. I went to the store and they said they had it and I went there and it wasn't on the shelf. And they said it was there. It wasn't. God's never out of stock. Your healing's always on the shelf. Your deliverance always on the shelf. Your increase is always on the shelf. Your breakthrough is always on the shelf. It's always on the shelf. It isn't go away. Always in stock. Hallelujah. And I love that because I know that in his word is the answer for everything that I'm dealing with. And whenever I get frustrated with God, I always go to God and I argue with him about the word. Because I know within the word, he will answer me. I don't go there with my opinion. I go, Lord, this is what you said. This is what you said. What's going on here? And he will always minister to me by the spirit in my heart and give me the deliverance. Amen. I know you thought pastor is perfect and he never argues with God. I argue with God all the time, but it's okay because I'm going with the word. Amen. And I'm trying to gain wisdom and knowledge and God will listen to you. Say amen. 
Now look at this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. I'm getting a little excited up here. How about, are you getting excited yet? Come on. I mean, I love this. Now look what it says here. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith, lay a hold of eternal life, which you were also called and have a good confession in the presence of many. What is the good confession? Jesus is Lord. That's the good confession. Now that verse, uh, to understand it more correctly, he says, I want you to fight the good fight of faith and hold on to eternal life. In the Greek, that's eris, which means it's in the past. So he's telling them, I want you to hold on to what you received in the past. In the past, you received eternal life, which is to know God in, for your healing, to know God in your finances, to know God in your family, to know God in your career, to know God in any of those areas was given to you when you came to Jesus. Woo! Isn't that good? Now, Psalms 107, verse 2 through 8, I won't quote the thing, but I want to quote this part. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, my question to you is, why does God say to say so? Why does he say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Because it won't be so unless you say so. It won't change until you say so. It won't over, be t- overturned until you say so. It won't, the mountain won't remove until you say so. In other words, if your faith is not strong enough to speak to the mountain, the mountain will never be moved. You got to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who God has delivered or redeemed us from the hand of our enemy. Hallelujah. To me, that is what makes the difference between success and failure is this. This is how I got turned on to the Lord. If you get this speaking what you believe out and you literally practice it every morning, one of the best doctors I know, every morning he gets up and he confesses all these healing scriptures over himself. And he's, one of, he's a renowned doctor. He does that because he knows that when he does that, wisdom comes. Revelation comes. And he's able to help people. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, let me show you something from this. Uh, it was an illustration that I learned from the, one of the fathers of my faith years ago. And this was during the war. And during that time, how many remember the old Goodyear blimp? Remember that? They had these blimps in the wartime. And, and this happened over in the States, and they were uh, filling one up with whatever they fill it up with to make it float. And they had like, well, probably had been 30 guys on ropes holding this blimp down. Anyways, they began to fill it up, all of a sudden, begin to lift off the air, and these soldiers are hanging onto these ropes, holding fast to these ropes, trying to bring this thing down. And it started to go up. Some let go at 50 feet, but then it would go up to like 100 feet. I can't let go this high. And then the crowd stood by and watched all these men hanging on these ropes. And one by one, they begin to fall. Fall here. Pump, 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 pump. And, you know, in those days, it, was hard. it took a while to get the thing back down. 
So the Navy or the Air Force had to, you know, whatever they had to use to do it. And finally, there's one guy left hanging up there with his rope. And then the women are passing out and the kids are going, ah, he's going to let go any minute. Don't look, kids. And he never fell. And they finally brought it to the ground. And they came up to the guy and said, how did you hold on that long? How'd you do it? He said, well, once I went up in the air so far, I realized I was, you know, that there's no possible way I could hold on. So I took the rope and wrapped it around me and tied it in a knot and just hung there and enjoyed the vision or the view. <laughs> now, I want you to listen to me. I'm, te- I'm teaching you something here. Whatever you receive in faith will hold you. Whatever you receive in faith will hold you. If you receive healing, it'll hold you. If you receive provision, it'll hold you. If you receive restoration in your family, it'll hold you. Whatever you believe you receive has that ability to hold you. Hallelujah. I said it holds you. It holds. Come on, everybody. It holds you. But you have to hold fast to the things of God to make it work in your life. If you don't hold fast... It will not work in your life, and you'll miss the blessing that God has for you. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Woo! Now look at this verse. It's Revelation 3.3. I want you to look at it. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent, Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. That verse is not talking about the rapture. It's talking about judgment. If you don't remember how you received. And how do you receive? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How do you receive healing? By saying, I have received from the Lord. He says, if you forget how you received and heard and don't hold fast and repent, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to have to allow things in your life that you don't want because you don't remember. You know what's interesting about that statement? It's a prophecy to seven churches. Only two out of the seven churches weren't doing enough. The other five, they were doing stuff, but they weren't doing enough. Like the church that left its first love was doing the gospel. They were reaching people. They were loving one another. But they stopped doing what produced the first love in their life, and they were rebuked for it. The church of Laodicea was lukewarm. It's not like they weren't doing the word, but they weren't doing enough. They weren't on fire. And that's my question to you today is, are you doing enough? The way that you receive is the way you keep what you receive. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you're a young person, you're in the church, and, you know, you, when you were younger, it was video games, and that's all great, and now you get a little older, and start thinking about girls, and you start thinking, man, I, I got to give me a wife. I, I don't want to live by myself. My parents don't want me in the basement all their life. And you start thinking, yeah, I want to find a wife. I want to I get married. So, man, I'm going to do what Pastor Jack said. He said, believe you receive. I believe I receive right now my wife. 
And every morning you get up and confess it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for that gorgeous blonde or brunette, whatever it is. Father, I just believe I receive right now, and you're on your way to success, right? Wrong. You haven't went far enough. What does the scripture say? It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. He didn't say they'd show up on the doorstep. He didn't say they'd come in a package. It said you've got to find them, which means you've got to look for them. If you don't look, you'll never find them. That's what I'm talking about, doing enough to get the results. And, and, and I see this sometimes with women as well as men, is you, you, you pray the way I told you to pray, and you write a specific as what you want, but the problem is the specifics that you ask for in the wife are so high and you're so low there's no way you're going to match up with somebody like that. You have to, don't make the list too hard. Now, I want you to see this. This is very important. Look at a spouse as a diamond in the rough. Look at their potential. If they were refined, they wouldn't need you. The woman becomes the you know, the one that takes off the old rocks and, and you know how they make diamonds? Okay, I'm just, I'll, I'm going to go over this section over here. Is it, can I have an amen on this section over here? I'm going to preach over here because I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure <laughs> I should do that. But you have to look at the potential in a person. Now, I know people think, oh, Joyce, she just married such a sweetheart. What a... Listen, do you have any idea what I was like when Joyce met me? After I got saved, I was still, wow. How would you like to be married to someone who sells everything that you have and moves you to another state without your consent, just Come. <laughs> How would you like someone that studies so much that I fill up rooms full of books and they're laying around everywhere? Come on, come on. I have my problems, but she saw the potential. She knew I was a 10 when I was a one and a half. So you have to see the potential. Because I met my wife at 15 and a half. And at 15 and a half, I'm just a kid with grown-up clothes. I wanted to marry her at 16. And thank the Lord, she was smart. She said, I don't want to do housework. What? <laughs> but I worked with her and, and just stayed with her. And then we finally got married at 19. But... I'm telling these young people this because they don't know how to find a wife. Always remember this about a man and a woman. This is just extra. I'm throwing this out. Women, I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what Wonder Woman says. Women are designed by God to respond to a man. 
And men are designed by God to be the aggressive one. Yeah, I know it's a weak hallelujah, and it's sure not a woke service, praise God. This is a Bible service, hallelujah. Women will always respond. Now, they say, well, pastor, I'm not dating whatever I'm married. I'm going to show you how to keep your marriage on fire. The same way that you got her to say, I will, or I do, is the same way you keep your marriage on fire. Well, what are you talking about? You know what I would do? I didn't have a driver's license, so I had to get a friend that was, had a driver's license with a car, and he would drive me over to her house, and when I wasn't there, I was on the phone talking to her because all these boys were after her because I'm a two and she's a ten. Well, come on, you follow what I'm saying? So I kept winning her over. I kept winning her over. I'd write her poems. I'd steal flowers, don't do this, from the neighbors. And give her flowers. I'm winning her over. Now, that's what a guy does to get her to say, I'll marry you. And that's what a woman does to get the man. I'd go over there and sit with her mother for two and a half hours because she was still in the, in the bathroom getting ready. She'd get all the lines just right, get the hair just like that. In those days, you know, it was flat hair. And she'd come on, ooh, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> I mean, she'd spend hours, man. And every time I saw her, she was in mint condition. And every time she saw me, I was, had the best stuff I had on. I'd vacuum the car, get it all ready. But then you get married. You quit winning the wife over. And the wife quits winning the husband over. That's how, that'll destroy marriage. I'm telling all of you right now, if you're married... Never stop the process of winning each, o each o over. Amen. Keep doing things Amen. to please your spouse. And guys, don't think you go to the gym just when you're young. She doesn't want to be married to a keg. Come on, say amen. amen. Do what you can, and ladies, do the best you can with what you got. Amen. I know when you get older, things droop, but you can at least have a little droop, firm, a little. Come on, say amen. Win the other over. It never stops. I said it never stops. Something Joyce have always done is we've always had a date day. It doesn't matter how many kids are around, we always have a date day. And we always celebrate Valentine's. We always celebrate anniversaries. And I always buy her gifts. I always buy her things she might not even need. Because I'm constantly in the mode of winning her over. Because I don't know about you, but I married a 10, and I'm not a 10, and she, th now, obviously I'm a 10 now, but I, I <laughs> Woo! Stand to your feet right now, if you would, everybody. Praise God. I want everyone to say, thank God, thank God for my spouse. Come on. Say, thank God, thank God, thank God. And I want to commission all of you to do this, to just spend your day today winning each other over. Just winning each other over. Doing things for one another. Blessing one another. Hallelujah. It's powerful. I said it's powerful. So the process that you received is the same process you keep what you received. I dated her to get her to say I do, and I dated her to keep her.
Amen. All right, that's good. That's good. Now let me just close with this. In the Word of God, there are two things that are stressed. Number one, God keeps us. Jude 24 says this, in him, he's able to keep us and to present us flawless before God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18 says that the born-again believer keeps himself. Look down at the following verse. It says to keep yourself from idols. So there's two things. God keeps we keep. Well, what does that mean? Look at it like a big circle. The circle is living within the will of God. If you live within the will of God, God keeps you from so many troubles. But you've got to stay within the will of God. But if you step over here with wandering eyes, he can't keep you. He'll keep you to some measure, but not to the measure he would if you stay in here. I'm not looking at that. My eyes are for you only, baby. Ladies, I ought to be getting some good emails this week. Come on, everybody. But that's the process. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to pray for some of you today that You've come here, and, and it's not to say that you're not doing the Word, but maybe just today the Spirit spoke to you and says, add this to what you're doing. Maybe it's just confessing the Word more. Maybe it's spending some more time meditating. But you'd like to commit to it today. Say, Lord, I think this is the reason why my finances are not working. I'm not doing this part. Or this is why our marriage isn't getting better. It's, it's okay, but it's not going to the place I want it to go. And the Lord says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text your wife every day and tell her how much you love her. And then every so often, I want you to write her a love letter. I don't know what it is. All I know is whatever the Spirit leads you in is going to give you that breakthrough. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river and we're doing life together.